Good morning and welcome to Shouts of Grace. Today is the second day that we're going to be studying Hebrews chapter 11. Of course, you're going to be looking at faith. I am excited to see this and I hope, of course, that this podcast series builds your faith. Of course, we all need to be having greater faith in order to accomplish more things. And of course, Scripture tells us, for by grace are you saved through faith. It is that faith that gets us access to that grace. And of course, we look back, what is a shout of grace? What is that talking about? That was Zerubbabel was going to complete the task that God had given him with a shout of grace. And God has a task for you and your life. And so you need a shout of grace in your life in order to complete the task. And so I'm excited to work on building our faith and seeing how to build our faith through Hebrews chapter 11. And today we're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 and 2, faith affects your testimony. Faith affects your testimony. But before we get into that, we're going to continue with our scripture reading from the book of James, and we're going to read James chapter 2 this morning. My brethren, <clears throat> do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and there should also come a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing fine clothes, and say to him, You sit here in a good place, and say to the poor man, You stand there, or sit at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme the noble name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well, but if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law of, as transgressors. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of it all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak, and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith and does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or a sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace and be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works." You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see faith was working together with his works, and by works of faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. 
Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Now, of course, we're going to be talking about faith today. And in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 and 2 is going to be our text this morning. And it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. And and this is incredibly important to understand and to realize, especially with what we just read in James chapter 2, is that faith is not merely just mental assent. It's not just this idea of, I, I believe something in my mind. That's not biblical faith. It is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And uh, faith, when we look at this idea here, it's the substance of things hoped for. We looked at this yesterday. It's a title or a deed. And Oswald Chambers put it this way, faith is the deliberate confidence in the character of God whose ways you you may not understand at that time. So this idea of faith being a title or a deed, it is a legal right, a legal note, a promissory note that you have something. You may not necessarily have that promise, the fulfillment of that promise in your life right then and there, but because God promised it, you know that it is true and it is going to come true. And so you hold on to it and you believe it. But then it also has evidence of things not seen. There are actual evidences in your life when you have real faith. Real faith produces real evidences, or as the book of James in James chapter 2 just said, uh, but do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? And then also in verse 26, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. We see this concept that a real, true, biblical faith If you really have faith in your life, it's going to have real evidences. It's going to have real actions, or as the book of James puts it, it's going to have real works. Real faith produces real works. Real faith produces real actions. Real faith has real evidences in your life. If you don't have actions, if you don't have works, if you don't have evidences, then you don't have faith. It's, you can't have that. You, they're inseparable. Now, there is a cart and there is a horse, and that's important to understand as well. You can't earn your way to heaven. You can't go and access grace through works. You access grace through faith, but this faith produces works, but it's real faith always produces real works. And so many people want to go into either get the cart before the horse and say that, hey, it's the works that do it. Well, no, it's not the works that do it. It's the faith that produces the works. But then there's another side of people And this is just as much heresy because it's a false faith. Just like before, it's no faith. Well, this next one is a false faith. And that is they try to cut the horse from the cart and they want to go and say, look, it's, it's just the the horse. It's just faith. It's just faith. You don't need works. There's no part in works. Well, that's not real faith then. That's not biblical faith. That's you defining faith and telling God what he should have meant. But we need to go and to look at the Word of God, and we need to look at what God says, and we need to submit ourselves under the Word of God. So many people today want to submit the Word of God under their own ideas, and that is dangerous, and it is false, and it's really dangerous of hellfire is what it is. It's not just a little danger. It's a big danger. 
But we really need to get into this small verse here, uh, verse 2 of Hebrews chapter 11, where it goes and it says, For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. Now, what is the it that it's talking about here? It's pointing back to faith, right? The faith that was just defined in verse 1 that we just spent a couple minutes talking about. For by faith, or it, the elders obtained a good testimony. And I'm going to get just a little bit nerdy here, which if you listen to the Psalm 23 series, you know that sometimes I like to get into the grammar of things, especially in the original languages, which is interesting because I hated grammar growing up, but that's a that's a story for another day. By it, that word by, it's a preposition. And when we look at this, this idea of a, a preposition, it's like going by the side of something. That That's the kind of idea of that preposition or, or whatnot. But, but it's actually uh, the Greek word en, which is generally translated in English as in. And normally we think of in as in like going into something, coming out of something, uh, that, that kind of an idea of a movement towards or away from. But this word actually indicates a dwelling in, or more accurately, perhaps I should say resting in. And this is important to understand the elders obtained a good testimony because they stayed in faith. They stayed, they rested in faith, they dwelt in faith. For by, for resting in it, faith, the elders obtained a good testimony. It's when you stay within the bounds of faith that you can have a good testimony. That's one of the things that is so important to really understand here is that it's not just this idea of accessing faith one point in time that it's talking about in Hebrews chapter 11, but it's this idea of resting in or staying inside of it. But you need to understand here, first of all, let's break down this first a little bit. Who are the elders we're talking about? Well, this word means elder or older or senior, and specifically, of course, talking about Old Testament saints, people like Gideon, David, Samuel, and many others. All throughout Scripture, you can go and see them. In fact, we're about to talk about many of them in Hebrews chapter 11. It would be uh, probably wise to go and to say that, yeah, these in Hebrews 11 are included, but it's probably more of just a general overarching term, going and talking about all of those in the Old Testament who, of course, did great things for God, that there, there wasn't enough time to relist them in Hebrews chapter 11. But they obtained a good testimony, and this means to be a witness or to bear witness of something. Uh, and this is, interestingly, the word that we get our word martyr from, and of course, this is because those who were martyred for Christ uh, were the ultimate testimony to God. Uh, and, of course, that brings up a question. How far would we go as a testimony for Jesus Christ? How far would you go as a testimony for Jesus Christ? You know, many say that they would die for Christ. And that's a noble thing to say. In fact, I hope that's your, your answer as a Christian, that you would say, I would die for Christ, but I just want to throw this pebble in your shoe. Something free to walk on and, and free to remember. And that is, if you're not willing to live for Christ, rest assured you will not die for him. See, I've, I've met so many people who will go and name the name Christ, and they'll go and say, you know, I would die for Jesus. And yet, if there's a volleyball game that comes up, they won't sacrifice the volleyball game in order to to go to church, you know, 
the thing that Jesus Christ purchased on the cross? You know, the thing that Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And they'll be going, oh, no, there's an extracurricular activity. There's a track meet. There's a volleyball game. There's a basketball game. There's a football game. There's something like that that, that I have to go and take my kids to. Well, I, I mean, I'm just going to, you know, say it. You, you're really not going to take your kids to church, but in essence, what you're doing is you're driving them to the gates of hell and telling them, you know, you really shouldn't go there. But here we are because you're not investing in their eternal life. It's a little bit of a rabbit trail, but I want to leave you with this pebble in your shoe. If you're not willing to live for Christ, you certainly will not be willing to die for him. You certainly won't be an elder who's obtained a good testimony, just like what it says here. I'm not saying you have to die for Christ to have a good testimony but you certainly have to live for him. Now, of course, this bearing witness or this testimony, this actually is an interesting thing when you ask the question, bear witness to who? Just reading this, especially in the English, we would immediately think of those who are on the outside, but if you really go and study the topic, it's actually saying something a little bit different. In this passage, it has a little bit of controversy. Some commentators say it is speaking of giving a testimony to those who are on the outside, much like the English translation would lead you to believe that you're just to go into, that that they obtained a good testimony or they bore a good witness to those who are on the outside, those who saw their lives. But some say it's an inward testimony. And when you do a little bit of digging into the word and into the grammar in the Greek here, This word is used in the passive voice, which means that it applies to the subject. And the subject in this verse, I know I'm getting a little bit technical, but the subject in this verse is the elders. And so ultimately what this passage is saying is that faith allows the Old Testament saints to obtain an inward testimony. And what is an inward testimony? Well, an inward testimony is the assurance of salvation. It's it's when it goes and it says, Uh, the Holy Spirit bears witness with my spirit that I'm a child of God. That's that idea of an inward testimony. They were not doubting whether or not they were saved. They had a testimony because they were living their life for Christ. They were looking at the assurances that were in Scripture. You you know, if you go and you read 1 John, uh, it's it's a book full of assurances. It goes and it says, says, um, you know, if, if you do this, you you know you're a child of God. If you do this, you know you're a child of God. And if you do this, you know you're a child of God. Now, that's an interesting concept when we come and look at this idea of assurance. And, and I do want to draw a little bit of a doctrinal distinction. I'm not talking about the doctrine of, of security. That's a different uh, doctrine than the doctrine of assurance. The doctrine of assurance is dealing with the idea of can you know that you're saved? The, uh, the doctrine of security, which is generally the only one that people ever talk about, is the doctrine of going and saying, can you lo- answer the question of, can you lose your salvation? Yeah, is your salvation secure? That's, that's that doctrine. But we're focusing in on this doctrine of assurance, asking the question, can you know that you're saved? And Scripture goes and it says it emphatically. In fact, it, it actually goes beyond that. Jesus tells us that you will know them. You'll know others by their fruit. 
you will know if other people are saved by their fruit. It, it always kind of bothers me when a pastor comes out and, and says, you know, you can't know if somebody else is saved. Well, Jesus says you can. You can know. By their fruit, you will know them. And of course, if you can know others, if they're saved or not, you can know if you are in the faith, if you are in that salvation, if you yourself are saved by going and looking at that. And we see that the elders, they lived their life, their faith had real evidences in such a way that it produced real assurances in their life that they could go and look and say, I'm living my life in accordance with scripture as to what it says a saved person does. What it says a saved person, a child of God, is to look like. And then therefore, the Holy Spirit would bear witness with their spirit that they are a child of God. And you can have that in your life too, but you have to apply real faith. That's the key. It's by faith, by dwelling in that faith. It's not just going and saying the sinner's prayer that we're talking about here. It's not just going and saying some magic words. It's going and living your life, having a changed life, walking in the new creation, walking in the new man, bearing the fruit of the Spirit. Isn't that incredible? Now, I also want you to realize, though, that your faith, and this, this is probably pretty obvious, but your faith doesn't just impact your inward testimony. It also affects your outward testimony. And though this passage in Hebrews uh, 11, when we're looking at this, it may not directly talk about your outward testimony. We can know that if you have an inward testimony, you will ultimately be producing outward fruits that others can see in your life and they will know that you are saved. And so if you truly are applying faith, the faith of Hebrews 11, 1 to your life, looking at God's promissory note, the promises that he has given in his word, you're laying a hold of them, believing them morally, and that produces real evidences in your life so that you live your life according to what God has promised. What's going to happen for you? Well, you're going to be assured of your salvation. You're going to have an inward testimony, and that inward testimony is going to work its way outward. It's going to do what it talks about in Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed now so much more in my presence, uh, not as in my presence only, but so much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. When you are working out that salvation then, you have that assurance of your salvation inwardly, then it will surely work its way out and others will see that you are saved, that there is something truly different about you and they will see your faith and it will be a good testimony of Jesus Christ to them. So today, I want to challenge you, have a good testimony. Have a good testimony by applying real biblical faith. Well, thank you for listening today. And remember Joshua 1, 8, 9 as we depart. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night 
that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Sometimes he leads us, waiting for his hand to move. But even in darkness, we hold to the promise. There's nothing we can't overcome. 